Hi, this is Brian Sellers Peterson with Spade Spoon Soul, also known as Triple S. And I'm here with one of my partners in the garden, Jerusalem Greer. Hi, Brian. It's good to be here. What do you have to what do you have to say for yourself this morning? Um I am just glad to be back on the pod with you. It's been a minute. It has been more than a minute. And you know what? Our other partner, which, you know, she's going to go off on sabbatical. So you're going to get to hang out a little more often. So Jennifer, wherever you are, we're going to miss you. But we hope, you know, we get some some uh, reports uh, from all the cool stuff you're doing on your sabbatical. But it doesn't start for a while. Yeah. But oh, hopefully God. we'll get lots of um, food updates. I want to know what she's eating. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. Her fit. Keep a list, okay, Jennifer? <laughs> we need you to do that. Keep a list of all the great foods you're eating mm-hmm. and preparing for other people because you know that we'll be cooking lots and lots and lots. Yeah. So today, let's talk about one of our favorite subjects that we have in common. What is that, Jerusalem? Good News Gardens. Good News Gardens, which is a program of? Of uh, the Episcopal Church and the Departments of Evangelism and Creation Care. And, you know, um, you know, the garden is everywhere um, in our lives. You know, everything starts in the garden, doesn't it? So this has been fun. So I've got a question for you, Jerusalem, because even though most of our listeners probably know the Genesis story of Good News Gardens, why don't you tell us the Genesis story? Uh, I love, I love that we even have a Genesis story. It's so fun. I know. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And if y'all can hear a dog in the background, that is my Martha Stewart um, joining us. So Uh, Okay, Genesis story. So once upon a time, in the before times, uh, (laughs) I, (laughs) yes, that's how it is now. Um, I lived in Arkansas, and I lived on seven acres in central Arkansas. And COVID, the COVID pandemic had just begun. I think it must have been mid-March. Someone reminded me yesterday that March 15th, 2020, was the day that the Episcopal Church at large um, kind of did the, I don't want to say shut down because we did not shut down, but we went to our Zoom screens, we um, sheltered in place, all of those things, right? So March 15th, so it was sometime after March 15th, but probably not long thereafter. And my husband and I were planning our garden late because we always plan late. Um, we always have like these great intentions to like order all the seeds early and just like draw a map and be ready. But then life happens and we, that doesn't happen. So we were getting ready to order seeds and all of the seed companies had the ones that we use, not all the big ones necessarily, but a lot of the smaller organic so you mean local. you mean bur- burp burpee still had seeds probably uh, burpees still had seeds right I yeah bet they did. yeah yeah but they did um but kind of the small more regional ones didn't like they you would go to their websites and they would be like temporarily closed we're trying to figure this out and i started poking around 
And I realized that there had been a run on seeds, like, because by this point, like COVID was, was happening. Um, and my guess is those folks who prepare, um, and, and the folks that really do live off the land and are prepared to live off the land for years to come had, had bought up all the seed, had kind of seen what was coming and had bought up all the seed. And and so they literally did not have a lot of seeds in conjunction with kind of stay at home orders, et cetera, and not having people to work in the shipping rooms. Right. So a lot of these things were, it was just going to be one or two people, you know, people who lived together, essentially going and doing the shipping and and they were just going to be taxed with that time. But so I had this thought, uh, you know, we had seeds left over from the previous year, we were going to be fine. We could plant. Um, but I was standing out in our field. Nathan was plowing. I was telling him what I'd found out about the seed shortage and we were talking about it. And I just began to think about, is there going to be a food shortage? Um, and that kind of got the wheels turning, you know, if there's a seed shortage, does that mean that people are anticipating there's going to be a food shortage? And you know, as Episcopalians, um, which you and I are, Brian, um, we make this joke that there's probably more um, food pantries per capita, right? Like per member in the Episcopal Church than maybe any other denomination. We love our food pantries. And one of the things I was hearing from the wider church was people were frustrated because they couldn't even go work at their food pantries. You know, here people were going to be beginning to be um, furloughed or laid off or not able to get to work. And so there was, there was also like an access issue to the food that, that was on the shelves at that point that still existed. And our church folks who really want to help couldn't kind of go help under nor like how they would under a normal crisis. Um, you know, they couldn't go like pack all the trucks with things, right. To be taken to the hurricane relief site or whatever, because we all had to stay at home. And so I started kind of thinking about this, these things. I was like, we want to help. And we can't go help at the places we usually could help. There might be a food shortage. Um, And the other thing is, is my work for the Episcopal Church is around the areas of evangelism and discipleship. And one of the things that we always talk about is what is good news? Like, what does good news look like, sound like, feel like, et cetera? Taste like. Taste like. Yes. What is good news taste like in any given context, right? And so I'm like, what in the world could possibly be good news now? And what do all of the folks who are involved in evangelism and discipleship, but particularly evangelism, like how can they still minister? How can they still be evangelist in this moment? And, and I was a history major in college. And one of my favorite things to study was really kind of domestic life of the 20th century, the early 20th century. And um, so I was thinking about Victory Gardens. It kind of just all came together. And I was thinking about Victory Gardens. And for a lot of people, you probably know a little bit about Victory Gardens, but the main purpose of Victory Gardens, especially during World War I in Britain, I mean, yes, it was to provide food because a lot of the, the farmers, right, had gone off to war. And um, so they couldn't even farm on like a mass scale and take things to market. I mean, there was that issue. But also it's a morale booster, right? Like feeling like something that you were doing something for the quote unquote war effort by raising your own chickens and growing your own produce, canning things, all of those sorts of things. Um, 
it really gave people a sense of purpose that they were contributing, that they were helping, that they weren't just sitting home, twiddling their thumbs, unable to help. And so I begin to wonder, could the Episcopal Church have our own version of Victory Gardens, um, essentially, that would be good news for people, that would give people a way to contribute and to help, that might help with any on incoming food crisis that might happen. You know, at that point, we were starting, we were dealing with like a toilet paper crisis, but what if the same thing happened on our, our food shelves, even when things opened back up? We certainly didn't know how long. Um, the pandemic was going to last or what, how long stay at home orders were going to last, et cetera. So I was kind of like, Hmm, I wonder if we could do this. And so I called some of my buddies, um, in the church who were already doing this sort of work, the gurus, um, of the food and faith work in the Episcopal church. And one of those people was you, Brian. And I was like, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? And, um, what did you say? I said, heck yeah, let's, let's, let's do this thing. Um, I had recently had met sort of one of the um, main scholars uh, around Victory Guards, but she was also a hands in the dirt kind of professor at the University of California in Santa Barbara. She worked for uh, California Extension and and uh, her name's Rose Hayden Smith. And she's, um, you know, I had recently read her book on Victory Garden. So I got totally excited about the idea. And we, you know, I think like a week or two later, we started a Facebook group um, that continues to grow by the day. Yep. And um yeah, we called a few yeah. other folks. We called like Nuria Parish at Plainsong Farm, and we called Lisa Ransom at Mission, Mission Farm. Mission Farm, yeah. And um, there were probably some other people in there as well. Um, it, again, it was in the the early days of all of that, so my memory. But we did. We got on a Zoom and we talked about it, and everybody was pretty much like, "We're at capacity, but we think this is a great idea. So if you do it, like." you know, we're with you, right? Um, Nuria and um, East and Western Michigan were thinking of something similar in their context. And so uh, they kind of hitched their wagon to ours a little bit or we to theirs. And um, and we got started. And it was just this little idea that really was just about how can we all commit to plant more, pray more, and proclaim the good news more through things that were agrarian minded, right? Like, um, and not just, not just gardens, which is one of yeah, your- Yeah, just gardens. I mean, that's the kind of thing. We have the most expansive definition for garden. And I think we need to like put an asterisk next to any time we write good news garden, put asterisk right next to the garden because our definition of gardening is, is a huge and, uh, we, you know, our list is always growing about the different contexts people are bringing good news uh, through sharing food and yep. um, caring for creation and and using their backyards uh, um, to uh, spread, you know, good news to to their neighbors and their family, uh, to doing things differently in terms of how churchyards are landscaped um 
to encourage pollination. And I love, um, and so also it wasn't just people's backyards and churchyards. It was monasteries and camps and conference centers and schools and seminaries and diocesan offices. I love that um, the Diocese of Los Angeles has an edible labyrinth so people can go meditate and yeah. eat at the same time. Um, so all these different amazing ideas. One, my most recent favorite was on a, a podcast that um, Jennifer and I did with uh, the Episcopal School in Knoxville. And one of their, I think it was an eighth grader, she started, you know, um, a butterfly way station. It was, it, it was certified by like some butterfly thing because, you know, so these monarchs had a place to stop in Knoxville yeah. as they pollinated their way up and down the monarch highway but you know another way of uh, spreading good news uh, with with a garden so i know you know this some other people might not know this but i'm currently um working on a master of arts and through wartburg seminary and they have a rural ministry program um, which is one of the uh, or a track a rural ministry track i think maybe there's even a certificate program um that that folks can do who are doing the longer like the mdivs and things but i'm taking all the rural ministry classes i can get of course right because it's part of why i went there but i'm reading um and this will be he'll be a guest eventually on this pod his name's mark yakel julien and he's um he would not want me to call him a professor he's like i'm a pastor who's teaching some classes is is his thing um, but he has a new book out called Everyone Must Eat, Food Sustainability and Ministry. And it's one of the ones I'm reading for class right now. And one of the my things that I love that I've already learned in that class that I think applies so much to what you're talking about, Brian, in Good News Gardens, and that it's like the asterisks, is he talks about rural, rural industries, what counts as like agrarian, um, kind of in, from a um, economist and sociologist perspective, Right. And so the areas are farming, ranching slash herding, fishing, mining, timbering. And then Mark says that he would currently, like he would add recreation, right? When you think of like national forests and that sort of stuff. And so I think that like, these also apply to Good News Gardens, right? Like you're saying, it, it can be the butterfly. It can be the forest. It can be fishing. It can be beach it can be um raising animals and i i love that he gave this list because i was like now i have a list <laughs> that i can use when people are saying well well you know i don't have a garden and i'm like well do you have a park that you go to right that you engage with in some way do you have a backyard like you're saying um do you have a beach i mean there's so this is such expansive and that's why we called the group the agrarian uh, ministries of Episcopal Church on Facebook, and not just the Good News Gardens group, right? Because we wanted to kind of add that expansive imagination about what this includes. Yeah, so back to another podcast that Jennifer and I did, we take it to the extreme, including natural burial. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of my interest in that, uh, we had Mallory 
McDuff, who's sort of a leading thinker, um, you know, in civil society and inside the church uh, about, you know, how our last best act and how that can be an agrarian act, how that can, can conserve um, um, instead of being a negative impact on our environment. So yeah, it's from, it's from, it's totally A to Z. Yeah. And well, that's and what's really fun. I like what you're saying about the, the burial thing, because I think this is the part, you know, where we really hit on how this is evangelistic work and that last act. I mean, not only is that last act of a green burial and whatever that looks like a wonderful um, act of creation care. It's also a witness, right? It's a, it is evangelistic. It is good news. Um, And I think that's a key part of our work. We just like all the other parts of our faith, you know, it's like that children's side song that we sing at camp, right? Um, don't hide your light under the bushel. Oh no, right? I'm going to let it shine. One of the things that we continue to encourage people to do through Good News Gardens, through the webinars that we have and the newsletters that we share and all of our interactions is to share your story about what you're doing and how it connects to your faith. Like what part of your baptismal covenant or what part of scripture or what part of our tradition or even your just own how you experience the presence of God does this act this garden this butterfly reservoir this green burial like how is that rooted in your faith and how is it an outward invisible sign how is it an expression and can you articulate that in some way and why we keep encouraging people to turn their lawns out front into gardens, like their church lawns into gardens or native grasses, because that invites conversation that invites the opportunity to say, yeah, this is why we have this. It's because it matters to us because of the good news that we find in Christ that we want to share and, and what we think that means for our lives. So I got a question. Okay. Since we're sort of busted out of our Zoom bubble, uh, the two of us are getting out and um, seeing yeah. our good news gardens. What? So since you busted out of your pot, you know your little Zoom pod. Um, yep. what, what's? Tell me a story about one of the gardens. Oh, that, or you know, garden. Of course, we're talking <laughs> in just yeah. about anything. A, and a good news garden ministry. So they're all over the place. And um, part of our work is when we spy good news garden work that's happening, that doesn't have the good news garden, uh, that they haven't joined the ministry yet. Like they haven't joined the community, uh, officially the movement. We're like, Hey, you're already doing the work. You just need to like be a part of, of the community so we can keep talking to each other. But the other day, um, so our youngest son is in um, is attending university in in Harlem in New York City, and he had an interview to um, be a line cook at a, at a restaurant in New York, 
and he had left all of his cooking gear here, right? So it was like his chef's knife and his apron and his hat and his non-slip shoes. They were all still here at the house in New Jersey. And so my husband and I uh, took them there. And there's uh, not a subway exit like right next to the school. Like that's in that part of New York City, you got to walk away from subway to subway exit, right? Or from your locations. And so the... The subway stop we got off at and the path took us right past St. Mary's Harlem and St. Mary's Harlem, not a huge church, not on a main street. It's on a side street. It's just kind of how our route was taking us. Um, And here I walk by and on the fence are like these signs about their composting that they're doing. They have a whole composting ministry for their whole community. Um, And to me, that was such good news. Like that was such a witness. They also had a fridge where you can get produce and dairy goods for free on the sidewalk there, just open. Um, But it was super fun just to be like, hey, that is, whether it is uh, officially or not, that's a good news gardens ministry happening right there in Harlem, you know? Uh, So that was one that I saw recently that just made my heart happy. You know, one that made my heart happy, I um, got invited to go down to the Diocese of Southwest Florida. Uh, Not a bad requirement for someone who lives up north uh, to have to go to Florida in February. Um, But I went to, I got, finally got to see Benison Farm, um, which is a partnership between two congregations in St. Petersburg. And um, they have a farm, uh, you know, at a church that's, geez, I don't know how many acres, but um, just all the really cool stuff they're doing uh, because it's in the middle of a food desert. And, um, you know, Martha Goodwill. Now, isn't that a great name for a deacon, Martha Goodwill? Um, But she's, she's the farm manager. Uh, for this program, which is a predominantly white church and a predominantly black church, um, has formed this this partnership that they're working together with lots of other community partners to to bring fresh food year round because it's in Florida. So that was that's the one that's sort of in my mind as as we speak. So, you know, we want everyone to join Good News Gardens. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'll just make it easy for you. I'm not going to spell anything out. All you have to do is Google or Bing or whatever you want. Um, Good News Gardens Episcopal. Mm -hmm. You put those four words together, you will find us easy peasy. Yep. And um, you can go to... Facebook and our Facebook group is called Agrarian Ministries Episcopal Church. And you should join that too. But those are just a couple of ways to connect with some of the things we're doing. And what's really kind of exciting is that we're blowing past, you know, the Episcopal Church. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've got people from the Anglican Church in Canada and Australia and England and Kenya. Um, we've got people from other denominations and, and faith groups that are, are joining in 
with what we're we're doing. Um, so share this idea with your friends and uh, get on board with us. We'd really like to hear your stories. Well, and we've got. I just want people to know too about the video series, the film series that's just come out and is just rolling out. And there's four stories. It's four films. They're coming out of March of 2023. If you're listening to this after like starting in April, they'll all four be totally available. You won't have to wait for a new one to release every Tuesday. Um, But it's four stories of four completely different kinds of good news garden ministries um, large farm, small garden, um, camp and conference center, um, a community garden. So there, there are four different stories that are told from across the church. The cinematography is beautiful. I just have to say they're just visually, they're beautiful to watch. Um, but also again, because we wanted to make sure that we were rooting these in, in theological reflection and the opportunity for people to connect their faith with their action. Um, each video has a little bit of a, a little intro um, that I do that kind of sets it up theologically, like scripture or tradition and, and how this story of this garden or this ministry is rooted. And then at the end, there's a question for reflection and there's actually a little reflection guide you can download for each video. So if you've just got a church that's just in the beginnings of even like imagining or a small group or an organization, a camp, a school, um, just a book club, whatever, and you want to dig into this a little bit, watch the videos, use the discussion guides, um, and just re- begin to have those conversations about, you know, maybe where is God showing up? Where is the spirit calling you guys? to plant more, pray more, and proclaim the good news more through agrarian activities. Um, Little ones, big ones, medium-sized ones around the table in the garden, in the forest, at the beach. Um, Who knows where, but we would love for you guys to to check those out because they're pretty fabulous. Our team did a great job. Well, you know, I wish we could say that this podcast is just Jerusalem and I and, and Jennifer, we just do the whole thing. And it all just magically happens. But there's this guy by the yes. name of Derek Weston, who we would be hopelessly lost without. And so, like, get on your Google machine and, and check out Derek Weston, because he's doing so many great and creative things around telling stories about uh, food and faith. Um, He also hosts his own podcast, the Food and Faith Podcast. Um, So big shout out to Derek for producing and making us sound wonderful. Yes. And thank you to Jay Sidebotham, who made us look amazing in his uh, original artwork that he did for our logo, which will live on in my house forever. so huge thanks to Jay. Yeah, and you know, Jay, we just like to be able to drop his name because okay. he's like this big star <laughs> in the Episcopal Church. So you know, and every that. opportunity to be associated with Jay Sidebotham, <laughs> we're gonna do it. Gonna do it. And then you know, and then um, the guy who did the music that brings us in and brings us out. I have to admit, he's a great musician, but there's a little bit of nepotism mixed in there because he's my 
brother-in-law, uh, Ryan Lee. Um, you know, he's just such a great musician. So I just got to thank Ryan um, for not just putting up with my brother Todd, who he's married <laughs> to, but just all the extraordinary things that he does. Do we right. need to say anything more about Jennifer? Just, we you hope you have an amazing I know. Sabbatical. I know. We miss you, Jennifer, and we hope you have an amazing sabbatical. And uh, maybe we'll find a way to all be together at some point. Yeah, who knows? We might just, like, all magically appear in the same place at the same time. That's right. That's <laughs> a little extra ambient noise from my dog, my dog Bluey. So until next time, we hope you'll find ways to connect your soul to your spade or your spoon or both. And it's time for me to go feed my dog. <laughs>